This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida, God's country, by golly. It's hot here. That's the way it goes, but we can take it. We're also in the Melton Law studio. Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, and we're protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365. Randy Elrad and John Pastore. And all of our sponsors, you've got to patronize those who patronize us. Allstate, Judy Lucasio, Insurance, a longtime community member, and also Caliber Coffee. Uh, we have got a coffee company that has faith, family, firearms, and coffee. And their vision is simple. Bring the highest quality coffee to your cup while sharing your passion for the Second Amendment. Now, I'm having a cup of coffee right now. CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. Faith, family, firearms, coffee, free shipping on order is $50 plus. And, of course, on-the-spot cleaners, great supporters of ours. If you're going to have your clothes cleaned, that's the place to go. Poser MD, real conservative supporter of the show. Reconstructive plastic surgeon. I never knew what the plastic meant, but uh, that's what they call them. And uh, a lot of people use them. So uh, shoot GTR, the only outdoor range around these parts, very well taken care of, very safe. And uh, visit my buddy Bennett Latimer out there. And style cuts if you want to get your ears set out. If you still have hair, uh, you can go see. <laughs> nope, I didn't mean to pick on Ted. Huh? I'm there too. So, um, and we got Ted Yoho here with us today. And good morning to those of you who are checking in the class. I see Ryan Cox is checking in from Mississippi, I assume. Uh, Great supporter of the show. Well, you know, a lot going on. And Ted and I were talking about it before we went on the air. And uh, we'll be talking about it when we go off the air. And, you know, it's, uh, it's an amazing phenomenon when you think about it. Ever since 2016, uh, Donald Trump has, as they say, lived rent-free in everybody's head. I don't know of anybody in my lifetime who ever did that. Um, He's driven the lefties crazy. There are attack after attack on him, as you know, and now yet another. And I want to start off with Ted's permission because we got a lot of things to talk about, and some of the things Ted wants to talk about are, are definitely on our agenda. But uh, there is an article in uh, by Holman Jenkins in the Wall Street Journal, and in this he analyzes what he calls election denial. And the problem we're going to—I'm just going to fast forward with Jenkins on this because the Democrats have caused this inquisition about election denial. They have forever opened up 
the fact that all these elections henceforth will be disputed. There is no one with any common sense anymore, if we have those people, who have any faith in our institutions, be it the FBI, proven participants in the election process illegally, CIA, Department of Justice, certainly the media, which is not an official institution, but has become one. The left has used them ever since Obama was in office. And of course, the culprit that the left always has employed is extend, extend, extend the voting methodologies and make them more difficult to be held accountable. And Jenkins points out that no matter where you are in this election excitement, mail-in ballots are obviously the culprit. They are of very poor security. And so when mail-in ballots are a high multiple of a margin of victory in close races, which is what we had here, you have got all sorts of plausible fiddling that goes on in the institutions we just talked about. And the mother of all election denials, Jenkins speculates, will be waiting for this country should Trump win next year. And furthermore, and this is where I want to segue over to Ted and get his opinion about this, a constitutional argument has been put forth, of course, there's been a lot, that says state election officials have the power to remove Trump from their ballots for insurrection without trial or formal evidence. And Jenkins says this is the delusion of all delusions because we've got a man who got 74 million votes in 2020 and who currently is a declared favorite of tens of millions in 2024. What possibly can happen that could possibly be calming and soothing? Ted, I'll bow out and let you comment. No, I think you're right on on that. And, you you know, you're talking about in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, the breakdown of trust in so many departments, uh, the FBI, Department of Justice. Don't forget the CDC and the misinformation they put out there. But then they held people accountable to that misinformation. If you didn't go along with that, you're wrong. And the left does this with transgenderism. If somebody, a man wants to be a woman, and if you don't recognize that, you're the wrong person. And when you get into the voting for a constitutional republic that has a democratic process, if you do not have integrity in that voting process, you lose faith in that process. And by doing that, um, you get a breakdown of society. And we've talked about this before. You know, if you don't have the civil society that's based on uh, rule and uh, uh, laws, you get a breakdown in that. And then you get the mass um, chaos that we're starting to see. You know, all you have to do is look out uh, these people going into these stores, robbing them, uh, going in there and they're videoing, videoing it, putting it online. And just the nonsense that we're seeing, the breakdown of society. So we're there where we see that. And for these election laws, this is something I wish the Republicans would have spent more time instead of investigating UFOs and these other things we've talked about, is going after these election laws to roll back what Nancy Pelosi did with the Democratic majority in the House and the Senate, you know, the John Lewis Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, 
that allowed for this nonsense from a federal level, and they passed it to the states, and the states are the ones that determine the election laws within those states. And then, as you brought up, for the state elect uh, uh, supervisors of election from the state level down to the county level, for them to say that we can take a candidate, i.e. Donald Trump, off the ballot, because of election interference and things like that, uh, or like they're doing in Georgia, trying to say there was a RICO Act violation. And as we talked about last week, that's something strictly for, you know, they used to get um, uh, Al Capone on racketeering charges. And for them to start using that kind of nonsense adds to the breakdown of the integrity of the election laws. And the left will subvert the rule of law to justify their means. If they, if they can keep Trump from um, being a presidential candidate, they will do anything, even if it's breaking the law, because that justifies what their end goal is. And that end goal is to keep Donald Trump from being, number one, a candidate and possibly the next president. And the, the more you see him do what he does and the attacks he's under, the more I'm prone to come out and support him. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be that same way because you get to a point where enough is enough and they have put this guy and, and have bent the laws to try to prevent him from running. And I think the American people are going to rally around him. You know, Jenkins goes on to remind us of some things that we are just alluded to many times in our conversations. Um, we're talking really about the deep state or establishment. And here is what Jenkins reminds us has happened. Ex-intelligence officers concocting a lie about the Kremlin to protect the Bidens. Democrats pouring $60 million into promoting extreme MAGA candidates in the 2022 GOP primaries to save control of the Senate. Biden blowing the whistle, the Democratic progressives, on his corruption by playing the white supremacist menace that Trump, comparing the two and making that the worst of the two. Um, incredible, isn't it? It's, I guess the term that sums it up, a new term that I've learned, Ted, is gaslighting. Gaslighting means making you believe the opposite of what you believe. I think that's what that means. I think Ted's with me. He's adjusting. No, I, I had my, my mute on because they were doing some construction work out here. But no, it is. It, it's, it's putting the pressure on you and making you the bad person when you're trying to do the right thing and they get this whole movement. And it's kind of like doxing. And, and, and the left is great at this. And the media, like you brought up, the media plays right into their hands and they do this. And, um, you know, you, you talked about how the, all the money went into these candidates to bring in these radical people uh, in the Congress. Look at the young black man that took Val Deming's seat. Um, he's 25 years old. He had such bad credit. He couldn't even qualify for an apartment up in D.C. Um, so it tells you his financial history. Yet he's the person up there that's supposed to run this country. Give me a break. And here's a guy that was on stage with some rapper. Um up there saying the F-bomb about Trump and get rid of F and Trump and all that. 
This is a guy representing America. The scary thing is there's people that have voted this person in in our state in Florida. Um, and if he gets reelected, shame on us in, in the state of Florida. You know, they've done this with the squad. Uh, you and I, you sent me that article about AOC being down in um, uh, Colombia and South America on a congressional delegation trip talking to the leftist leaders down there. And that's where we are in this country. I'm going to mute this because we've got a concrete saw running. And I like you. Well, well, I want to bring that you back in in a moment because I want to segue over to AOC in South America hanging out with a Marxist. And you know the backstory on that story, how that becomes sanctioned. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but legitimized or, or accepted or paid for, I suspect paid for, by our own United States government. Um, can you take up that conversation? Yeah. Um, congressional delegation trips are, are so important to do because you're building relationships. It's a soft diplomacy. Uh, you're learning about issues within a country that bolsters the strength of our relationships between our country and their country. And here you have AOC, my former colleague from New York, uh, going to South America. And she went to Brazil, or not Brazil, but Argentina, Chile, um, uh, Colombia. All three of those presidents of those countries are leftists. They're socialists or Marxists. And here she is with the king of, of socialism in America, if not Marxism, Bernie Sanders went with him. And a congressional delegation trip is um, permitted by the Speaker of the House. So if it's a congressional delegation trip, Kevin McCarthy has to sign off on it. But they're supposed to be bipartisan. And in that list of people that were on that trip, I saw no Republicans. And if he allowed this trip to go on, um, and she's meeting with these leftist leaders that are anti-America. And if you read the, 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 the taglines from the president, Petro, in uh, Colombia, he's talking about the evils of the world that have caused all the strife is fossil fuels in countries like, like America. And so he's anti-American, and she's down there giving him an audience. Go back to Obama. Obama went and saw Hugo Chavez. He did the same tour and met with all these leftists in Central America and around the world, denouncing and apologizing for America's evil past. And um, and if Kevin McCarthy allowed this to happen, that, that's cause to get rid of him. Uh, if Bernie Sanders led this, they're in charge of the Senate. And so, you know, they can do what they want, unfortunately, because they control the Senate. Um, but I think it's just a, a shameful day in America when you have people like her going out, talking to people that are anti-American leaders and working with them. And her, her message was um, uh, equity, uh, inclusion, the climate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, man, she needs to go back and read Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, and understand how we got to where we are and read Chris Smith's book, um, uh, the, the, the Miracle of Freedom, The Seven Tipping Points That Saved the World. Uh, you know, she did not get a good education on the founding of America and Americanism versus this other garbage. You know, a member of the research team uh, provided me with an interesting piece of data here talking about fossil fuel and climate change. 
On August 22nd, Gainesville had a high of 94. Uh-huh. Okay. The record high in Gainesville was 99 in 1900. <laughs> now, hold on, Ted. The motor car was invented, believe it or not, in 1876, Benz, Mercedes-Benz, and ran for the first time in 1879, and in 1886 was the first outing of the two-seater. So what are we talking about? It was all them damn cattle and horses that you drove through Gainesville that caused that with all the methane. (laughs) That's right. That's right. They actually have entertained the idea of putting a poop bag, as you know, on the yeah. back end of a cow. Now, come on, Ted. How you could get rich that way. If you would invent a poop bag that we could hang off the back end of the cow, you'd have to have a little hole for the tail, I guess. And then uh, we could I, maybe it'd help things out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to in you that were article, thinking about that. You were thinking about how you could do that. I was, uh, yeah, I had to clean up my thought there. Um, <laughs> but they were talking in that article how Biden's agenda is to have two-thirds of the vehicles in America running on EVs. It's it's a disaster. It, it's just, it, you talk about unsustainability, it's unsustainable. Uh, it just, it's a pipe dream. And the best thing we can do is we hope we get these people out of office and that Congress will change policies that are an American policy that don't change with each president, you know, like energy. America should have a policy for energy independence. And, um, you know, that debate tonight, you sent me the questions from the, uh, the exam. Yeah. And one of them was about nuclear power. Nuclear power is probably the safest thing we have on the planet. And, um, you know, that's something I, I think you're going to see come back. You know, when you have people like Oliver Stone making uh, documentaries on the benefits of uh, nuclear power going against the, um, the, the, the people out in uh, California and the environmentalists, um, there's going to be a change of attitude because it really is the best way to go along with hydrogen technology. And uh, this whole thing with EV, I think they're great for golf carts and things like that, but it's not sustainable and it's just not practical. And I think you and I talked about the, 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 one of the CEOs of Ford drove his Ford Lightning across the United States, and he goes, uh, we have a problem because <laughs> they could not charge it fast enough for him to get across, and it took him 40 minutes to get a 40% charge, and he realized the impracticality of that. And um, it's going to be interesting to see where the Democrats lead us before they destroy this country and if we can intervene. Uh, because there's all that speculation about what happened uh, in that island in Hawaii. And that, that was, you know, I don't want to go into the conspiracy you're hearing, but if they build it back in a smart city grid, um, it'll be interesting because that's what people said it was. found it interesting that the fires weren't even over and uh, somebody had a book out, The Fury of Fire or something, and yeah. it was all time, climate change. And, the, uh, the, book the, was Governor Weiss, the Governor Wise says it was climate change. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, they have a book out telling you how bad climate change is while the fire is still burning. Like, tell me that wasn't uh, prearranged. Tell me, Ted Yoho, and we alluded a moment ago, if you're listening and watching, to some questions that um, I sent Ted that I found. 
and, you know, always doing research and we have a research team, which is you, the members of the public who send us tips and things we look at. Very much appreciate that. And uh, we're going to go through some of the questions, perhaps. And many of the questions, they must listen to us because we've already asked these questions. On the economy, for example, uh, the debt is a first item on the Ted Yoho list of concerns for the country that we put together a couple, three weeks ago. And lo and behold, the economy is the number one issue that the Washington Examiner says should be asked by Martha McCallum and um, the other host. I'm free. Slips my mind right now. Um, Rent bear. So the debt, as you know, the average home mortgage rate is about 8% now, I think, highest since 2000. And uh, that's really affected uh, homes, which is one of the ways in which, as you know, people build wealth, right, uh, Ted? Sure. Uh, and so uh, the strongest ways and the best ways to build uh, wealth. Yeah. And this has become out of reach by, I think it was about $800 a month by the time you went up from what it was when it was around 2%. Sure. So any suggestions, because obviously people listen, what can we make? We can't make them. Cajole them, arm twist. I don't know. Negotiate. Well, We've got an election next year. And what I have found, and you'll find this true, is your representatives in Congress, their hearing becomes a lot more astute closer to the, to the election time. They're going to be in the districts more. They're going to be doing events. Everybody on your show, everybody in America that cares about this country and the direction, the, the decline we're seeing in America, we need to be at those events. And we need to be challenging these people, calling their offices or talking to them face-to-face with the ones that are still having live um, town hall meetings, ask them what they're going to do about the debt, what they're going to do about China, what they're going to do about the border. And don't listen just to the rhetoric. Ask them if they're putting in bills to stop this. Um, The debt ceiling, or the not the debt ceiling, the end of the year spending, you know, has to be done by September 30th. And I've got to written this playbook from Kevin McCarthy, you know, when he stepped in as speaker, He's already talking about doing short-term spending fixes or um, short-term spending uh, movements like a CR, continuing resolution, so that they can negotiate the budget uh, so that they're not here for the holidays. He's already said that. I mean, that's stuff they were saying when John Boehner was there. And here Kevin's doing the same thing. They're already preparing to do CRs by September 30th. And the Republicans had the majority had they done their 12 appropriations bills, they wouldn't be in, in this situation now. You know how many appropriations they have done already out of 12? They have Probably one. none. One. One appropriation out of 12 has been done. So they, they, they went in with a defeatist attitude. Kevin McCarthy is already saying, we're going to do a CR, and that's because you haven't done your job. And that's what we said when uh, the Freedom Caucus was fighting against having Kevin McCarthy as a speaker. And, um, you know, I just hope that they can do something in time. And I'm going to turn this off as a concrete thought come back on. I'm going to turn it over to you. <laughs> That's no problem. The concrete saw is no problem. Well, while you've got that turned down, 
something like Dick's Sporting Goods, we're talking about the economy. And in that bag, besides the mortgage race, is retail theft. Yeah. And retail theft, of course, is related to the lack of law and order. Dick's uh, shares price are down 20%. Uh, they have got an inventory shrink of 23%. That's Dick's Sporting Goods? Dick's Sporting Goods. And uh, their profitability is way short of what they need to really make ends meet. And some of these places are just closing up shop. Right. San Francisco, places of this uh, nature. What I wonder is, will they face it? Will they ask the tough question, law and order? Are you When, when are you going to actually switch the lever to, you know, New York? And Jason Riley has a column about that today. In the 90s, was a, a sound city, a safe city. Now New York is a shambles. Uh, it's one of the most dangerous places you can be. Yeah, they are. And, and a, you hit the nail on the head. It's the breakdown of the rule of law when you go after the police department and talk about defunding them. And that was my whole conversation uh, with my former colleague from New York, is you're advocating for these things. And uh, I hope you can hear over that song. We hear, we hear, we hear you. <clears throat> they, they, they promote all this stuff. And that was, I was still in Congress. That was probably six or seven years, eight years ago when that movement started. This is the result of that kind of a movement is you get this breakdown of rule of law. And you talk about uh, Dick Sporting Goods. If you'll remember, Dick Sporting Goods was one of the very first major chains uh, to say, we're going to stop selling guns because of the gun violence. We're addressing the, the symptom, not the issue. The issue is the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of personal responsibility that you get from a family structure that teaches you right from wrong, good from bad, and how to deal with those things. And so in society, we don't have that. And that's why you have the mayhem going on on these big cities where they're going in ransacking these stores again. And, you know, it's just you're seeing the violence on, on a personal level rising. Uh, there was those five girls that were in a store somewhere and uh, were plugging up the toilet in a restaurant. And the people told them to stop doing it. And they did it again after the, the help had to clean it up. And they, they attacked the manager, five of them, beating her up. And, um, you know. That kind of stuff, it should never happen. I mean, who raised these people or how did they how did they get to the point where they think that's OK? Um, and we're seeing more and more of that. And there'll be a flashpoint where things things will get uglier before they get better. And unfortunately, the left, you know, they see nothing wrong with what they're doing. They think this is fine. And uh, uh, again, it's a breakdown of society and people need to be held accountable and we need to get back to the uh, rule of law. And that's one of the questions I think is coming up. And it's just, you know, you've got to you got to get tough on crime. Rudy Giuliani did that up there. And that's why you had the crime rate go down and New York became a safe city. Since then, look at their D.A., look at their mayor, look at their governor and look at the amount of mayhem that's going on up there. You know, you get a relaxation of laws. Look at the pot laws. You know, if somebody wants to smoke pot, that's fine. But you shouldn't smoke it while you're working. I was up in New York um, back in December, and you could not go anywhere out on the streets where you couldn't smell pot. 
Same thing in Washington, D.C. So you got people walking around stoned all day long. And, uh, you know, what kind of a society can you have like that? It's uh, Again, if you want to do that, if you want to drink after hours and enjoy yourself, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But it shouldn't be a daily activity all day long. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm old-fashioned in that way. I, but I don't really think it's old-fashioned. I just think it's, you know, it's personal responsibility. You know, you brought up a fascinating point that I'd forgotten. Dick didn't sell guns. And when you brought that up, I'd forgotten that. What's that? Dick Dick's did stop selling guns. Is that right? Yeah, Dick's, they are one of the very first that came out and says, with all this gun violence, we're going to be responsible. We're taking guns out of our store. Um, really? I had, I had never shopped in a Dick's, but I knew I wasn't going to go into a Dick's after that. Uh, because it's they're they're going after the symptoms, not the underlying problem. And you and I have talked about when we grew up, people would go to school with shotguns in the back of their truck. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Go out bird shooting after school. You know, yeah. it wasn't an issue because we were taught how to be responsible, even at the dumb age of fifteen and sixteen years of old when you started driving. Yeah. Um, you know, our parents taught us that. Um, but now it's a, we've got a society where when you do something wrong, it's not your fault, Lord. You know, you're a victim, and the Democrats have made everybody a victim. Well, we have uh, one of our fans here addressing a comment for you. Sure. Ted, Ted, even if we had a balanced budget for the next 50 years, which is highly unlikely since we haven't had a balanced budget since 1996, right? that would not reduce the national debt whatsoever, They're as absolutely. the debt service would continue raising the debt right. during during 2023, we have already spent $1.6 trillion more than we've taken in. The debt service alone is well over a trillion a year. Now, this is from a gentleman who used to work for the government as a fraud investigator, as a beep investigator, and knows numbers well as an accounting background. And it's absolutely driven. I, may, I, may I speak for him since he's a friend? Nuts by this malfeasance with money. It is. I mean, it's criminal what we're doing. And he's absolutely right. We're spending, we're going into debt at the tune of $5 billion a day as a nation. $5 billion with a B a day in debt. And as he was saying about servicing your debt, and servicing your debt means you're paying the interest on that debt. That, that's what it costs you to have that kind of debt. And um, it's unsustainable. And again, we're going to go into the end of the year spending and it's going to be a fiasco and they're going to blame the freedom caucus, these hard right people, but they're the only ones standing up to change this um, projection of this nation. This nation will collapse financially. Um, and we've seen it with other nations. You and I talked to one of the people that runs your show. Uh, and, and that person, I'm not going to mention his, his name, but you know him very well. He said he lived in five countries growing up. And he saw the currency of those countries drop to zero. And in a lot of those countries, you had 30 days to change in your money. And you were getting 30% on the the dollar, say. And after 30 days, it went to zero. That is what we're looking at here in America. And uh, you think there'll be chaos and mayhem now? Think about what will happen when that happens. And I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but it can very well happen. 
and it comes back to the people in Congress. And that person is right. If we're to, to balance a budget, which is a joke in Washington uh, nowadays, you know, they did it under Gingrich and President Reagan. But if if they were to do that, it wouldn't change our our projection of our debt. Um, and so what do you do? You have to go and you have to have austerity measures now on the areas you can. And I think I shared this with you last last time when I was up in D.C. last, you know, about the food stamp fraud. This is one program. When I was in Congress, the, the USDA admitted there was four to seven billion dollars in fraud. This last trip, about five years later, no, four years later, they admitted they, they think it's closer to 22 billion in food stamp fraud. Now, that's just one program in the whole scheme of things. So if we could start just going after those things and, uh, you know, get rid of silly policies like Biden did in Afghanistan, I'm happy he got us out of there, but I sure don't like the way he got us out, leaving 60 to $80 billion worth of equipment there that the American taxpayers paid for, that we went into debt, and now we've got to replenish that by going into more debt. I mean, those things don't make sense. And uh, I just hope that day comes when Congress wakes up or the right people get in there. And, you know, they do silly things that they become uh, immune to it. You look at they they haven't given themselves a raise by voting on it, but that they got a raise by changing the rules to where they get paid a per diem for being up there. They get housing allowance. They get a food allowance. They, they get a travel allowance now that they get reimbursed for. And in essence, it's a raise. But they'll say, well, we haven't had a raise since 2006. And by God, you shouldn't have one because you're doing a terrible job. I'll- coming, Dave, you know, we're coming up on a bomb hour break. I'm watching um, you all in the chat line, taking your questions as you put them in there, your comments and passing them along. Uh, we're going to be back after we break for the weather and uh, continue our conversation with Ted Yo. Stay tuned to the Ward Scott Fire. Stay tuned. Yeah. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Attention all Gator fans, Meldon Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and football signed by coach Billy Napier and much more. Go to the Melden Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, 
R&R construction, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! All right, we're back on Ward Scott Files, by golly, and Ward's Weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Great people. Chevron stations, fossil fuel, use it, baby. You don't want to sit charging your electric vehicle for 55 minutes outside a restaurant. I mean, come on, your food's cold and you've eaten it and you're still been able to travel on. I've seen it happen. It's crazy. And by the way, you know, I'm a tennis fan and tennis fans tend to be a little bit up the food chain. And all we had supporting tennis was electric vehicles. I mean, what is wrong with that picture? Come on. I mean, I didn't want to watch that. But anyway, we've got a hot one, 96 degrees projected here in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country today. And uh, a couple of named storms still twirling around in the Atlantic. Franklin. Franklin is currently a tropical storm approximately 105 miles from Santa Domingo. And Harold is a tropical depression approximately 235 miles from Midland, Texas. So govern yourself accordingly. We are entering, of course, a stormy season. It is autumn coming on. Even though it's 96, you can see it in the leaves. If you live in nature, you really don't need clocks. You don't need anything uh, to tell you other than watching where the sun is, watching where the wind's coming from and studying what the animals do. They know so much before we do. And that's why I think we are so screwed up as a country. One of the reasons, we are so far from the natural world. We don't have a clue how things really work. We go to the store. We assume we can get the food. Listen, you and I know here in Florida, we can clean out a grocery store in a hurricane in two hours. Most people are two or three hours away from starvation because they don't have anything to back them up. They don't have gardens. They don't have pastures. And it's getting harder and harder, by the way, to maintain a pasture, to maintain fence lines. You've got to find people to help you. Go look for them. They're not there. They're off playing video games. It's an amazing culture. And we don't really talk about that much 
in terms of how the country's changed, but we're a long way away from agrarian life. And we may never return to it, except maybe out of desperation. So that's my weather for the day, along with some commentary from actually the Farmer's Almanac. I learned that the Farmer's Almanac derived its weather forecasts basically by watching nature. Uh, when did ants move and how did they move? Where did butterflies go? Did, when do the hummingbirds leave? That begins to tell you what's going on. I never knew that, but it makes perfect sense. In other words, you write the book from watching the natural world. Wow. Very interesting. We're talking that, about that, that is so true. You're talking about nature, how we need to watch nature. We're here on the St. John's. My wife went up the Ocklawaha River, which is one of the most pristine rivers that has not changed probably since God made the, the, the country, the world. And the red maples along the river are starting to turn red. Uh, when I was practicing, the old timers, the old farmers would see the ragweed. And when the ragweed came into bloom with, with the yellow flowers, they said that that tells you uh, we're going to have our first frost in about six weeks. And I've monitored that since then. And they're, they're pretty much spot on. Uh, you'll see eagles come here when the cool weather comes. They'll come and then they leave when the hot weather comes or right before the hot weather. So you can kind of predict, you know, what your weather is going to be and when it's going to change. And it's so true because we're so out of touch with that. I'm going to have to put this on mute because there's a loud coat coming down. <laughs> That's the St. John's River behind. The only river. Well, actually, it's, a, it's an airboat. Okay. One of those rednecks in an airboat. God bless them. <laughs> well, we're talking about questions that might be asked of the debate participants. And we were talking about family while we were on the break. And I offered this hypothesis, which unfortunately I think is going to be true, that to avoid the real issues of family erosion, if you will, and that is too much welfare, I believe, is one of the root causes. We're going to shift the emphasis to birth control, LGBTQWXYZ, same-sex marriages, and that only represents, the two of them, about 1% of the population. Uh, abortion is a state issue. You watch how that gets blamed on the Republicans, how that gets blamed on Trump, who put the Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court, who then properly interpreted the Constitution. No, not according to the Democrats. Ted, right. take it away, brother. No, you're absolutely right. That's what the, the argument is going to be. And I had a good friend of mine tell me about three months ago, this election will come down to the abortion issues. And the, the Republicans have always been terrible on messaging this. And of course, the Democrats have the media and, you know, they have the leftists and all this. And it comes down to a woman's right to choose. It is. And there's also the right to choose on how we get pregnant. And I know there's some bad situations where women get taken advantage of and raped and, and things like that or incest, which is basically the same thing. And there needs to be exclusions for that. But that all falls back to the state level. It should never have been at the federal level. When you look at the Constitution, it never talks about that. That is a state issue. And uh, uh, the Supreme Court was 100% right. And uh, 50 years late in overturning Roe v. Wade, 
but it was the right decision. And it goes back to the states. And if you're in a state that is uh, doesn't approve of abortion, doesn't allow it, you're free to move to another state uh, or work at the state level to overchange that. Um, and that's how our system was supposed to work. But the left is going to make this the issue uh, against the Republicans. And you're going to have your AOCs and all these people uh, saying, oh, this is what the Republicans will do when the focus should really be on China, our debt, our border, education. I'm going to tell you, that, we have a list here that Ted came up with a couple of weeks ago. The debt, China, border, election laws, the Obamanization of America. Obamanization. And one of the ways you can look at this election is we don't elect a president from the Republican Party. You're going to extend, perhaps forever, the Obamanization of America. Right. You will. I think, think that's what would have happened. Think, think, I want your, your listeners to think, what would have happened had Hillary Clinton got in there and she had to replace three Supreme Court justices? How would this country have changed for the next forever? You know, thank God Trump got in there, got three conservative uh, uh, constitutional justices that will really protect this country as a constitutional republic. What would have happened to the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, all the amendments? How would they have been changed? Um, um, And I just I am so thankful that Trump got in there and did what he did. And uh, it's just so dangerous to think of a a leftist getting in there, Gavin Newsom, uh, Kamala Harris, or I don't think Biden can survive another term. Um, You know, I don't think America can survive another term of these people. So, man, people need to get out there and they need to go to these REC meetings. They need to get engaged. They need to be poll watchers to make sure these elections are run properly. Learn what you can do as a poll watcher when you see something wrong, how you can call this out and, um, you know, stop it right then, um, you know, nip it in the bud. And I think if we do that, you know, we'll be a better country. We'll be better served in that. The other issue that plays under underpins all of this probably. We don't have any borders. And by some estimations, there are, well, conservatively, 7 million people come across the border. Um, but that's just are the ones who've been illegally caught, not even necessarily returned. Um, you can't trust these numbers because there's all sorts of ways to get around without being numbered. Maybe sure. 2 million of them still in the country. That's very low. But you know where you can see it showing up is in the so-called sanctuary cities. And the cities... And they- <laughs> yeah. The cities are becoming really uncivilized, Ted. And I wonder if some questions might be asked about that because we have the Dick Sporting Goods and Peril, those kind of people, businesses. And I also wonder, will the corporations wake up and stop taking the free money from the Democrats, which is a perfect example of how Biden is working so-called subsidies? You know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're giving away billions and billions of dollars. I think we talked about the CO2 pipeline to capture CO2 um, all in the name of saving the planet. And it'll do, I mean, it won't, it won't be a drop in the bucket. It won't be a grain of sand in the ocean. What they're trying to do, their intentions are good, 
but there's better ways to do this. One of them is the nuclear power. And um, again, with this election coming up, there's so much at, at play here. And I know we always talk about this being the, the most important election coming up. And this one really is. <laughs> I mean, they're all important and they seem to get more important. And uh, we just have to make sure we get the right people in there. I want people really to watch this debt ceiling because this is going to tell you the leadership or the lack thereof of what's going on in Congress. Um, there's no reason that we should have a CR, um, a continuing resolution. When Congress, we hire these people to go up there and do their job, and they're not doing it. And uh, I, I think very few of them should be reelected. Looking at the chat line here, for example, can't hear you. We accept you, even though you're late for class. I know you had to go to the dentist, but you're here, my man. Um, we are going to talk a little bit now about a cat we're going to let out of the bag. You know that Ted has thought about and we've talked about an awful lot of leadership issues. And Ted has already said, so I'm not squealing on him, that he gave considerable thought to throwing his hat in the ring presidential race in 24. But you say there's another chapter beyond that one, Ted. There is. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but I was thinking about putting my name into the race this time. And, you know, if people want to call me, you can give out my number. They can uh, email me. Uh, my my email address is tedshoho at gmail.com. And, you know, there was reasoning behind why I was doing that. It was not a decision I made lightly. But in my personal life right now, the timing is it's just not going to work. And, um so we're looking at the next presidential election, which would be 2028. And uh, I'll be 72 years of age. And, um, you know, it's I just see a different path for this country. I see it, what we need is there's that lack of leadership. There is that lack of unity. And you've heard me talk about when I was in Japan, how that uh, legislator said that um, about presidential politics. He goes, it doesn't matter to me who wins. What matters is you guys have always been known as the United States of America. And it was that being united that gave you the strength. Today, you're viewed as the divided States of America. And if you're divided, you're weakened. And if you're weakened, we're weakened. And so this plays into so many things, not just here domestically, but around the globe, because if America loses its leadership, who's going to fill that void? And we all know that nature abhors a vacuum. And that void will be filled by the likes of China, Russia, Iran. You know, you have these authoritarian governments. Uh, and I don't think that's what anybody in a free society wants. And so coming back to 2028, our goal is to get our message out. Our goal is to build a cabinet before we get elected so that you know who's coming in and the policies will change. You know, we want to devolve from the federal government that which they should not be doing Back to the states. A perfect example is Roe v. Wade. Another example would be, you know, some of these programs. Like uh, you hear me talk a lot about food stamps. That why is that a federal program? Why is that not done on a state level? Um, because if I think that airboat's coming back. Uh, well, you can't hear it. We see. Uh, we okay. We'll right. see. Um, and and so that's our goal. And then we want to focus on, number one is the debt. Right up there with that is China, our readiness of our military, beefing up the technology of our military, 
and then uh, our foreign policy. And I, I was listening to Ron DeSantis talking about uh, using drones against Mexican cartels. I just think that's a wrong policy. You're attacking a sovereign nation and an entity within that nation. And this is what uh, Obama and John Kerry wanted to do with Syria. They were going to go in there and uh, blow up their air support and take down their air support areas in there uh, and make them no-fly zones. And we were attacking a sovereign nation. And John, John Kerry told me, he goes, well, Congressman, I'm afraid you don't understand. We're talking about minute surgical pin uh, strikes. And I said, no, sir, I understand very well. You're talking about bombing a nation that we're not in a conflict with, taking out their air defense system. And those things are run by the Russians. So you're going to kill somebody named Boris, and that's going to bring us into a conflict with China or with Russia. And there's no way in hell I will support that. And we kept us out of that. Um, it was it was pretty amazing because it was a bipartisan thing on that. And so DeSantis is wanting to go after the Mexican drug cartel by using drone strikes. I think there's a lot better way, and it's through diplomacy, through trade, and we could bring this to an end within a very short period of time. And you and I talked about the fentanyl crisis. You know, I think the Old Testament is, is sometimes needed. And if you're caught bringing drugs into this country, fentanyl, which is an epidemic in this country, keep in mind it's being funded by China. The precursors of those drugs are being made by China, shipped to Mexico, and the cartel is using people to bring it over. And just say it's a capital punishment if you're caught dealing drugs in our country. And it won't be a long, delayed process. It'll be rather rapidly. Um, and I think if you really go after the trade issue with Mexico and say, you need to make sure the products come in our country, it's your responsibility to make sure they're not tainted with drugs or people, you know, and human trafficking. And I think if we do that kind of diplomacy, Mexico will tighten up what they're doing and they will get a lot more um, um, uh, detailed in what comes into our country because now we're Mexico's Mexico's our number one trading partner and we bump China down and then we can deal with China uh, that the Vic Rasaswamy uh, he scared me the other day because he says I don't see a problem with Taiwan going back to China and that is that is just so wrong because we've got the Taiwan Relations Act that was signed in 1974 that said we would sell them enough defensive mech, uh, weapons so that they could fend off an attack. If Taiwan falls, Japan's going to come into a war and you'll have World War III. So we better have strong diplomatic talks on how Taiwan needs to remain the one country, two systems. The Chinese communist system and Taiwan is a Western liberal style democracy. I say Western even though it's an Eastern country. And for, for Vivek Rasaswamy to say it's okay for them to revert back to China? No, it's not. If you go back to before Jimmy Carter, Taiwan was a recognized nation as an independent nation around the world. And there are so many things, these people running for Congress, they're either inexperienced in foreign policy or other things, or they are like the Mike Pence, which is the epitome of the rhino. Um, they're yeah. just going to do the same thing like Kevin McCarthy, oh, we're coming up to the, the end of the year funding. We're going to have to do a CR. We're going to have to do this. And it's going to not uh, solve the problems of this nation or change the projection of this nation. And this is where strong leadership needs to come out. And it needs to be in an American agenda that it's not Republican, Democrat, liberal, 
conservative. It's an American agenda that we can pass on to the next generations for freedom and liberty. And that's kind of what we're going to work on for the next four years. Well, I'll keep you posted. And if I announce, you know what? I would announce on your program. <laughs> well, you already really have. I mean, uh, you really, I'm just going to say, you have already. Just let my intentions out there. I haven't announced Yeah, you let, you let your intentions out there. Yeah. I'll, know what's I'll, I'll announce on my boat. <laughs> yeah, on your boat. Yeah. Well, it's uh, 9.56. We've got about three or four minutes left. And we've been talking with Ted Yoho on our Ted Yoho Wednesdays, which are really fun and informative. And, you know. It's been a great fun. time to come with you. I really yeah, we, we have a great time together. Look forward and, to it. And, and, and Ted has always got a unique setting from which he's talking. Um, <laughs> you know, it might be, crazy, know. might be Mongolia. It might be <laughs> South uh, Korea. It might be uh, D.C. in a hotel room or, or by the river. So that uh, that always. Uh, Boss doesn't grow on a busy street. That's right. That's right. So we're going to tune out now and uh, we're going to circulate this show, of course, on about 37 different platforms. And we'll have another wordscottfiles.com here in a little bit. And remember, uh, calibercoffeecompany.com and uh, they will send you not only your coffee, but your ammunition. And uh, we are promoting them also, as you see other people here uh, advertising with us. And we also like to thank those of you who quietly donate from time to time. Very important, as you know, in the investigative work we do. We do a lot of investigative work. Sponsors. Yeah, we do a lot of investigative work. And you know we've been investigating the election interference laws voter beat for quite some time now. Successfully, by the way. Very successfully. We could just get the rest of the country to do it, too. <laughs> well, I listened to that podcast you sent me with that guy that I forget his name that did all the investigations and the lawsuits. And I tell you what, it's good to have people like that that's going after the stuff and they don't give up the fight because they're passionate about this country. and want to make sure that that we have the integrity in these elections. Very impressive. Very impressive work. Very impressive. Yep. And, um, you know. It was not that difficult for him to find. I mean, he doesn't understand why the supervisor of elections can't find. You know, there you go. Well, lots of topics for the next day. We meet, which will be with Ted a week from today. And uh, we hope you have a great, stay cool if you can. This is a warm one. But uh, we know from the leaves that autumn is coming. Have a great day. And Ted, thanks so much. Uh, Enjoy talking to you as always. Appreciate it. Y'all take care. Okay. Warthog Command Center out. Thank you.